preaching text this morning is from Philippians chapter 2. If then there is any encouragement in Christ, any consolation from love, any sharing in the Spirit, any compassion and sympathy, make my joy complete. Be of the same mind, having the same love, being in full accord and of one mind. Do nothing from selfish ambition or conceit, but in humility regard others as better than yourselves. Let each of you look not to your own interests, but to the interest of others. Let the same mind be in you that was in Christ Jesus, who, though he was in the form of God, did not regard equality with God as something to be exploited, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave, being born in human likeness. And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on the cross. Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling, for it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. The word of the Lord. Brothers and sisters, Grace to you and peace from God our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Let us pray. Holy Spirit, work in us this morning and conform us more closely to the image of Christ. Amen. Well, last week our reading came from the first chapter of Philippians, and the theme that we focused on was the love which binds us together in the church. The love which God has given so that even in times of suffering, we may rejoice together. And while that seems easier said than done, this is no naive statement from Paul. For Paul writes this letter while he is in prison. And as you may recall, prison in the ancient world in Paul's time was far worse than prison is in our time today. In fact, the power of Paul's encouragement here to rejoice in suffering, it comes from his own experience. For in this letter, in chapter 1 of Philippians, Paul speaks of love and rejoicing on the one hand, in the same breath as he says, to live is Christ and to die is gain, and I don't know which I prefer. Paul writes of love and rejoicing not because they are easy in his present circumstances, but because they are necessary for his survival. Nowhere else in Paul's letters do we see Paul quite this vulnerable. Maybe uh, 2 Timothy might be a runner-up here. Uh, But he's writing to these uh, Philippians, to this church in Philippi, not merely as a teacher uh, or even just as a pastor, but as a friend. They've been generous to him. They've supported him in his imprisonment, both materially and spiritually, And so his joy and his love for them abounds. 
And this theme of joy and love, especially in the midst of suffering, is woven through the entirety of this letter to the Philippians, including our text for today. As I mentioned earlier, our reading for today, it contains one of the most famous passages uh, from any of Paul's writings, and it's in uh, verses 6 through 11, right in the center of our reading. Uh, And if you're following along in your Bibles, if you looked in your Bibles, you may have noticed that these verses are formatted differently. Rather than being a solid line that goes from the left of the column to the far right of the column uh, in sort of standard paragraph form, uh, these are broken into smaller lines, uh, kind of like poetry, what you'd expect from from poems or, or song lyrics. Uh, and even though the formatting in our English Bibles didn't look anything like what the old manuscripts did, which were all basically just solid blocks of texts, uh, most translators have recognized that this is a bit of poetry, uh, this section here. Uh, and so this particular passage is commonly called, as I referenced earlier, uh, the Christ Hymn. We don't know whether it was ever sung as a hymn, and we don't even know whether Paul was the one who wrote it originally, or if he's here just quoting uh, someone else's work to support his point. But whatever its origin or its use, it beautifully fits with how he is encouraging the Philippians. So in chapter 2, if there is a theme here as we get into chapter 2 of Philippians, the theme is this, of being of one mind, being of the same mind. When we hear the word mind, we usually think of intellect. We usually think of our our thoughts, our beliefs. And so we hear Paul's advice to the Philippians as advice to agree with one another on, on beliefs or doctrines or teachings. But really the word mind, as Paul used it, is much broader than that. Uh, It's more than just thoughts or beliefs, and it's something more like attitude, we could say. So when Paul tells the Philippians to be of one mind with each other or to have the same mind that was in Christ Jesus, he's advising them on their attitude, the way they carry themselves with one another, rather than simply telling them to get their facts straight, as important as that can be. So being of one mind, then, it's not so much like comparing notes uh, to be sure everyone is on the same page as it is moving a piece of furniture. Let me explain what I mean by that. So uh, if you've ever moved with somebody, if you've ever had to carry like a table or a couch, or if we wanted to move one of these pews out of the sanctuary, for example, uh, you know that you have to work with somebody else to do that, right? It's just too big a piece to do on your own. And so if you're carrying, let's say I'm carrying one of these pews and uh, I've got somebody across from me and we're, we're carrying it out, I can't just do my own thing. I can't just walk on my own and turn as soon as I decide. We've got to, you know, navigate the corners. We have to be careful. I have to make sure I'm not going faster than the person who's walking backwards ahead of me, I'm having to pay attention to him. Likewise, on the other side, as he's walking backwards, he might tell me that there's a step there. Oh, there's two steps here. Be careful as you're going, uh, rather than just sort of pulling me down the stairs uh, after him. Maybe you've carried uh, furniture with somebody who's uh, not as attentive to you as maybe they ought to be. But as we're doing that, we are, I saw an elbow given there, yeah. As we're doing that, as we're doing that, we are of one mind. Right? We're sharing a mind in this task. We're, we're looking out for where the other person is stepping, where they have to walk, and they, in turn, are looking out for us. We're aware of their strengths and their limitations. I don't want to go faster than the person uh, who's going backwards, or I'll bowl them right over. Uh, and at the same time, I'm aware of my own strengths and my own limitations. Maybe for some of us, uh, we're better uh, suited to holding the door for the folks who are carrying the pews. 
but all of this is being of one mind, being attentive uh, to one another. So when Paul is encouraging the Philippians then uh, to be of one mind, he's telling them to work together in that sort of way. Doesn't mean they will always agree with each other. Doesn't even mean there won't be conflicts, but it does mean that they have the same goal and that they will be working toward that same goal together, being aware of each other's strengths and limitations. And then to help them be united in this way, Paul encourages each person in verse 4. He says, uh, look not to your own interests, but to the interests of others, just as the table carriers or the pew carriers, in my example, uh, will not be successful if each person focuses only on their own path and on their own uh, steps. Uh, neither will the church be successful in living out her faith if the members of the church focus solely on themselves and their own interests. So, then Paul offers up this Christ hymn as an example, and let's just walk through it. Paul says, Let the same mind be among you all that was in Christ Jesus, who, being in the form of God, did not regard equality with God something to take advantage of, but emptied himself, taking the form of a slave and being born in human likeness. So here we see that Jesus did not take advantage of his divinity, using it for his own comfort, but rather he lowered himself to us, entered into our situation, into our world, so that we might not be separated from our creator. Paul continues, And being found in human form, he humbled himself and became obedient to the point of death, even death on a cross. It was not enough for Jesus just to be with us, but he desired even to save us. And so he continued to lower himself, submitting even to the death which rightfully belonged to us. And then here at the lowest of lows, God's work continues. Paul writes, Therefore God also highly exalted him and gave him the name that is above every name, so that at the name of Jesus every knee should bend in heaven and on earth and under the earth, and every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Out of Christ's death, out of Christ's lowering of himself, God works salvation, raising Jesus up so that he will be Lord of all in heaven and on earth and under the earth, all that exists. And this salvation, one on our behalf, has made us who we are, brothers and sisters in Jesus Christ, united with one mind and with one purpose for the sake of the gospel of Jesus Christ. So in light of this enormous reality... Paul encourages the Philippians and us to work out our salvation with fear and trembling. Now, he doesn't say to earn our salvation. He's clear in the next verse that it is God who is doing the work, but rather he is telling them and us to live our lives based in the reality of who God has declared us to be. Beloved and chosen children of God, blessed for the sake of blessing the world. Now, this will cause some trembling, as Paul notes, when you consider the enormous scope of the work 
to which we are called. That the creator of the universe suffered death for us and has now enlisted us into his cause. And yes, suffering and death will come along with that cause. And this will cause some fear in us, as Paul notes. For doing the right thing is very often not easy. And the good path is very often hard to discern. And the anxiety and the indecision that comes from this uncertainty can be difficult to live with. But the promise is this. Jesus Christ has won salvation for us. The Holy Spirit has gathered and gifted us. And God now is at work in us, enabling us both to will and to work for God's good pleasure. So sisters and brothers, beloved saints of God, be of one mind. Look out for one another and be of good courage. For God who began a good work among you will finish what he started. Amen.